Last week, um, we had the taste of the missing sermon notes. Uh, so this week, I just decided to, to preempt that, and I decided not to write any sermon notes. So, um, in uh, preparing sermons, sometimes you get writer's block. That happens to preachers, too. And, um, like, ah, I don't know what to preach. Sometimes you're, you're fortunate and something jumps off the page and you're like, oh, this is great. Or, or even when you're doing a series, like, this is a great, I can get four weeks out of this outline or whatever. And, and, and that's great because I have my notes well ahead. Uh, and then some days there's just like, uh, Travis's comes and he's wanting to know to, to organize the songs and he's like, uh, what is the, um, what's the sermon Sunday? I'm not quite sure yet. <laughs> um, I hope I, I hope I can get back to you by Wednesday, right? Um, and then there are times where a sermon jumps off at the page that you and being preacher, this is great, uh, because you can pick what you're going to preach, right? A sermon jumps off the page that you're like, I would rather not preach that right now. Uh, and so, because I'm a preacher, I can decide not to do that. That's, that's wonderful. Uh, you never know the difference. Uh, so, of course, we're going through the, the Bible, and uh, so I'm myself imposed rules, I guess, but I... I Limited to, to the reading for this week. We've gone through Ezekiel, and I think we've had enough of some crazy dreams. Well, that eliminates half of Daniel, too. And, and then, as well, Hosea. So, so we're, we're really down, narrowed this down to these, these couple of chapters in Daniel. And, and, and as I was reading through it, there is one text that, that jumped off of the page at me, and I didn't want to preach it. So I kept on looking for something else. Because, as a preacher, I don't want to stand up here and be a hypocrite, right? I, I, I would like to present the fact that I've got it all together, and I'm looking at this text, and, and I don't got that all together. And so, so maybe, maybe I'll wait until I feel that I've got that all together, and then I can preach that. We'll come back around to that some other time. And, and the, the thing is, um, the Bible, and I've often said that the Bible is very logical, and so it started having this this argument with the scriptures and it just kept on being logical to me. And, and the scriptures argument was this, this basically you've got a week to get it together. So why don't you just get it together and then you can preach without well I don't have it together but, but we tried to make some improvements. So we're going to turn to a, a story in Daniel that you could bring the kids up from downstairs or what, what ones we have here. They could probably tell you this story verbatim. Turn to the, to the book of Daniel with me. We're going to be, <clears throat> we're going to be in chapter six. I apologize. The little bookmark fell out of my fell out of my Bible, so I have to actually learn to find this. Um, Daniel chapter six, verse one says, that "Please, Darius, to set over the kingdom." 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom, and over these three governors of whom Daniel was one, and that the satraps might give an account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. So then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and the satraps because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. And the governors and the satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, however they couldn't find any, because he was faithful. Nor is there any error or fault found in him. 
this is stop for a moment. Obviously, they were guilty of bribes and doing things, so they naturally figured that Daniel would be doing such too. Okay? And they could. He, he's actually an honest government official, so, so they had to keep on looking for something. So we pick it up from there. So verse 5 says, Then these men said, Well, we can't find any charge against Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So these governors and satraps went before the king, and they said, King Darius, oh, this forever. All the governors of the kingdom and the administrators and satraps and the councils and the advisors have consulted together to establish a law and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for thirty days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed, you know, according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, uh, which doesn't change. And so King Darius signed the written decree. When Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home and in his upper room with the windows open towards Jerusalem, uh, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom in zero days. And these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God and they went before the king spoke concerning the king's decree and said, Haven't you signed the law that any man who prays to a god or man other than you for thirty days would be cast into the lion's den? The king answered and said, That is true. According to the law of the and Persians, then I can't change. So they said, that Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, does not show regard for you, O king, or for the decree that you signed, but he makes his petition three times a day. And the king, when he heard these things, was greatly displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored so that going down to the sun to try to figure out how to rescue him. But the man approached him and said, No, O king, that is so odd the meeting the Persians that no decree or statute which even the king establishes can be changed. So the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the den of lions. So that the king spoke to Daniel, saying, Your God, whom you serve continually, he will be able to deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den. The king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signet of his lord that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. And so the king went to his palace, spent the night fasting. There was no entertainment brought to him. And he was, and he couldn't sleep. The king got up early in the morning and went to the den of lions. And when he came out, he cried with a voice saying, uh, has Daniel, has the, uh, the servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? Now, really, we're only going to look at one verse in this entire passage. I just wanted to get the context of it all. And as I, I, I was looking for other sermons, I, I thought about this this um, this one verse down here, which is a great uh, and is a great sermon, talking about is God able? That's a great sermon. It's not the one we're going to preach, because the verse that jumped out at me kind of jumped onto my back and grabbed me around the throat and wasn't going to let me go is back up in verse ten. It says, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home, and in his upper room, with his window open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since the early days. There are a lot of phrases and a lot of powerful things in this one verse, and we're just going to kind of pick this verse apart. Now, 
I want to spend a considerable amount of time talking, or at least a portion of this sermon, talking about one particular phrase that says, as was his custom. They knew, these men knew that they were not going to get him on any type of questionable ethical behavior. So they said, and you back up, we're going to have to figure out how to conspire against him and use his religion against him. That's the only way, because that's really the only thing he is faithful in, is his religion. I mean, as far as, he does, he's not faithful in taking bribes, you know, you can count on a, a regular stat trap. You can, you can, you know, set your clock by those guys. They're, they're going to be taking a bribe pretty soon. Or, oh, all those behaviors that you might capture somebody in, the only thing that he's really faithful in is his devotion to God. He's faithful in that. We're going to have to find something there to manipulate. And uh, it's kind of interesting. There's a lot of things in here. How did they know? I think you can just picture them. How did they know when and where to capture him? In fact, how did they know how to make a law and compose this law to frame him for prayer? How did they know to do that? Did they just guess? If he is in that place, as was his custom. They just observed it. This is what he does. We'll use this. It's interesting that the kings back then thought that they were God. And so you would pray to them. Daniel's not going to pray to him, so that's pretty easy. Here's a God, or a guy who thinks he's God. He won't pray to him. That's a pretty easy lie. Is violated, and he's, we're done with Daniel. It's kind of strange to think that you're a god, but, but the kings did. It was his custom since the early days. You know, we've been going through the Bible, and, and hopefully you know you start to develop a habit. You do something for a while, and you start to develop a habit. And prayer was a habit. I don't have to. I get doing stuff to get busy. It's like, wow, it's 10 o'clock. What happened? It's not a habit. Oh, I'll do it when I think about it. Or if I have free time. Or, or if I'm in dire situations, that's easy to remember. And, and all sorts of things. I have to, I have a spreadsheet, and I have to put it in my spreadsheet. Right. It's just not a habit. I mean, maybe someday it will become a habit. But it was a custom since the early days. I don't know how old Daniel was. I assume he was about 15 or 16 when he got taken to Babylon. To me, this was something that his parents impressed upon him as a young child. Pray. Pray, pray, pray. It was a it was a custom from the early days. Maybe he thought about his here he is, an old man already. Thought back to before Babylon when he was with his parents. And it was something you just did. There's something in your life you just do. You just do because this is what we always did. I grew up and 
My mother tried her best to, to do stories with us before bed. We do stories before bed. It's just a custom. It's something we've always done. It's just a family thing we do. You eat meals together. Some people eat meals together. Sometimes people don't. But if it was likely, if it was something you did as a child, it's something you do now. You don't even question it. You don't even think of it. It's just something you do. It was his custom from the early days. And so, he gets the news. The only piece of information here that I, I was trying to think about what, how to apply it was the fact that he opened his windows which were facing Jerusalem. I, I don't know why. Not that I can hazard a guess that's where the temple was. And inside of the temple there was this magical golden box and they, they were taught and God tried to teach them the presence of God. And in between the angels that stood on this magical golden box, God told them right between the tips of those wings, which almost touched, God lives there. That's where you make your, your pleas to. Obviously, God wasn't trying to teach them that, that God lives between the wings of an angel. God was trying to teach them the presence of God. Make your supplications to the presence of God. Jesus would pray and lifted up his eyes to heaven. And we find out how many times he did that. Jesus didn't close his eyes during prayer. The presence of God. Your mental picture might be different from mine, but frequently when I pray, I picture that I'm walking into this great marble hall. There's marble everywhere. Him and ahead, there's this great set of stairs going up and there's this throne on it. And that picture from, from Ezekiel of all the, all the, the rainbows and the, and the bright glow and everything uh, from the beginning of, of, Dan, of, of Ezekiel, that's just kind of what I picture. But my mind is always drawn to the presence of God. I'm going before the presence of God. So this is something very real. And Daniel wanted to be reminded of that. And so, so his mental picture was Jerusalem. That's how he got his brain there. I don't know what your mental picture is. Understand that praying is done presence of God. Paul says, we come boldly before the throne of grace. Boldly. You can walk right into the throne room of God Almighty and He listens to you. That's powerful. So they went in. And he knelt down. Interesting. I heard a preacher talk about hiring. He said one of the things they 
always would, would look at. Would look at the knees. Look at the pants. You would always look at the knees. So if they were worn out, we were new, we were getting a good preacher. So were they faded? I, I don't think there's anything magical in kneeling. I don't. But um, I don't think if you kneel, you, your, your prayer has extra bonus points. Oh, and, uh, and they get answered better than if you don't kneel. There's a sermon in here we'll probably come back around to about worship and what worship is. What worship is, we, we have a lot of definitions for worship. We have a lot of things that we call worship, which is true. We sing, that's worship. And we pray, and that's worship. We do a lot of things, and we call those things worship. But worship is a part of those things. Those things are not... I can sing all day long and not be worship. I can pray. I can do lots of things that aren't worship. I can give. And, and, and we read in Malachi in our class this morning, God said, I wish people would shut the doors so that they didn't come in and profane my temple. They, they, were doing all, they were doing the things, but there was no worship in it. And worship is a word that simply means to bow. Salt means. I don't think, again, that kneeling makes my prayers better. I don't think it makes my prayers get answered better. But, I can tell you this, and if you haven't tried it, try it. Kneel when you pray and see if your attitude is different. Try it. I, I know it sounds silly. Try it. And see if your attitude in prayer isn't different. And maybe, just maybe, if our attitude was different, then our prayers might be answered differently. There's a difference in, you see the difference in what I'm saying? I don't think that our prayers get answered because of the, you know, if I'm driving down the road, I'm not going to try to kneel, obviously. But if the attitude is different, if I'm in a more humble state and if I'm really thinking about things, that might change the way God answers my prayer. Just try it and see if you don't notice a difference. Another thing in here that I wrestle with is... Um, and it has to do with reading the New Testament is this concept of public prayer. Didn't Jesus tell us to go into the inner chamber in prayer? And here's, here's Daniel defined, of course, a long time before Jesus, so, so maybe he didn't get the memo. But here he is. Now, he isn't in the chamber. He just has to open the door to it. But the, I don't know if the, that's the technicality or, or what it is. Why is he doing this public prayer? Because they knew right where to find him. They knew right where to find him. They knew how to sit there. I don't know what they kind of pieces they used back then, but, but they knew right when. 
to find Daniel praying. He's praying publicly. Again, I think this comes down to attitude and you look at what Jesus was challenging. He was challenging Pharisees who loved the appearance of prayer. Loved to appear so high. Jesus is talking. Be different. He is just better to pray in Christ than to do that. But I don't think Jesus was ever against public prayer because he did public prayer. I think there's something in, in public prayer, and I think there's something in praying together that I, I believe that we should probably do more often. I don't know what churches used to do here. I assume we were probably all at one point in time part of a, a church that had Wednesday night prayer meeting. Remember Wednesday night prayer meeting? So what it used to be called? Going to prayer meeting. That's what it was. We got together to pray. And it's time to return to that. Remember Peter in prison and what were they doing? They were in a house praying for Peter. And of course God answered their prayer and 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 Peter came to the door and they didn't believe it. I'm not sure why you're praying. You don't believe God's going to answer your prayer, but they were there together praying for it and it worked. Public prayer, I think there's a or group prayer, whatever you want to call it. I think it's a, a thing we need to look at. One more thing in here. If I was about to receive a death sentence and be thrown into a den of lions, I want to just back up just a second and understand something. It affects several things in here. We talk about getting down on your knees. Uh, so, so just a little bit. Yeah, I, I try to avoid this because I know it really works people's death. But they were in Babylon for seventy years. Daniel was a, a youth, a strong youth. That means like, you know, teenage. Wise. And, 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 and so Nebuchadnezzar took those, and it's okay, but 15, 16, 17 years old. And just adding things up. At the end of Babylon, they get taken to Persia. And, and in this process, um, Darius is starting to figure out who he wants to be his ruler, and it's taking time to set that up, and then it, there's some time to, for, for the people that are working with Daniel to get dissatisfied and jealous of him. I'm, I'm sure it didn't happen in one day. It's kind of a process that takes, you know, six months, a year, a year and a half, and all the flocks to come together. Daniel's about 90 years old. Daniel's 90 years old. When you, you kind of, the, the picture books that, you know, I've said this before, we're, we're so shaped by, by our, our, our children's Bible you know, and what our children's Bible pictures are, and that's, that's kind of what we interpret. We interpret Daniel as this, this 30 or 40 year old guy kneeling. No, he was a 90 year old guy. Listen, if a 90 year old guy can kneel on his, you know, in his room, uh, on, on no carpeting, uh, three times a day, I, I can do it. I'm not going to let a 90 year old guy beat me. <laughs> But if I was a 90-year-old guy and I was just given a death sentence, I'm not sure I would have the attitude 
that Daniel has because he goes into his room and gives thanks. That's not the appropriate response. That's not my first initial response to give thanks. Thank you, God. I'm going to be fed to lions. That's not how I think of it. Um, I don't know if you've ever had the question of what to pray for. Maybe some sweet hour of prayer. How hard it is. I've got to pray out loud. Because if I don't, my mind wanders. Right? I'm thinking about stuff and thinking about stuff. So maybe that's why God said go you know, into a, in a room and, and be away from everybody so you don't, you know, they don't wonder if you're crazy. You can talk out loud. But I start thinking about all this other stuff and I find that after about 15 minutes I thought I'd pray for like two things. Because I'm thinking about this stuff. I can keep on track if I, if I pray out loud. Do you ever wonder, what do I pray for? Start writing it down. Well, I've got this wonderful app and there's 44 families in there. There's 44 things to pray for. More if I count the kids. And the wives. There's about 100 things to pray for in there. And start thinking about the people you work with and situations you know elsewhere. There's a big list of things to pray for all of a sudden. You start writing it down. But, I always categorize mine because I like spreadsheets. Start writing down things you're thankful for. Things to be thankful for. It will far outweigh, if you, once you start thinking about things, it will be way more than the list of things to pray for. Way more. I know how many. 100, 200 people that I really know close in my everyday sphere. 300? Really, if you're sanguine and you get out in the three or 400 people? You know, all these things I can pray for, but start thinking of the things to be thankful for. I can go way back. The things to be thankful for. You run out of space. You can break itself right now. The things to be thankful for. This too much. I, I don't even know Daniel. We have a couple of chapters of Daniel's life, and I can start thinking of the things that Daniel has to be thankful for, and I'm sure he thought of these things. The safety, the fact that he wasn't in Jerusalem when it fell, and all the horrors that were there. The, the position that he had been put in to, to affect things and to affect people for good. The safety he had had. The life he had lived when so many people had suffered. Being brought out of that alive and seeing the end of that and seeing, you know, people go back to Jerusalem and start to rebuild. He was, he was alive for that. To hear news of Jerusalem being rebuilt. Uh, to, to be the Persian. See, I mean, there's just tons of things that Daniel had to be thankful for. And when he heard the news that he was going to be fed to lions, he went and was thankful. 
and he remembered the things that he could be thankful for. I'm sure he put in a little side PS God to just work this lion thing out. I would also appreciate that. But he was thankful. All throughout this, we see the attitude. Daniel. Man of prayer, as he's referred to so many times. So as we conclude, I invite you, as people who I have suspicion have as difficult time of prayer as I do, to take the example of Daniel, to challenge yourself not to beat us this week, not to, not to get everything under control this week, but to fight. To develop because it's all about one word that I've used so many times and so many times other people have used this one word. This is about relationship. This is about communicating with the God of heaven, the God of earth, the, the God who is able, as Nebuchadnezzar, or excuse me, as, as Darius Is your God able? Yes. That's why. I communicate with them because my God is able. Deliver us from sin, Christ will meet you there. He is with me for you. Lift up your
Thank you, Andrew, for that lesson. You know, as he was he was talking about the the lesson today, I was reminded that the song we found earlier, sung earlier, said "Sweet Hour of Prayer." You know, sometimes I don't think we quite make the hour. But that wasn't what my thoughts were for this after service today. I wanted to read a few verses. In Mark 16, verses 15 and 16, it says, And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Matthew 9, 37 and 38, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. First Corinthians nine twenty two to the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak, I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I think you get the idea and there's several more verses, but here's the thing. There's a plan A we, the people, the members of the church, are to go out and spread the word. There is no plan B. There's no second chance. There's no alternative. It's just a plan A. We're here to do that. We have an opportunity once a year to do this in a high style with our VBS. I'll encourage you to think about these verses this week as you go about your work and to think about VBS and think about the plan A. Are you on the plan? I hope so. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we we come before you today and Father, we're so thankful for for this church in Markershaw and the people that come here. We're so thankful for the time we have together each week. Father, we're thankful for the for the many blessings that you have given this church and the growth that we've seen. Father, we know this world needs the knowledge of what uh, of your son Jesus, and we know that uh, there are people here in Walkershaw that need to be touched and the word needs to be shared. And Father, the workers are few and the harvest is ripe. And Father, we know that it's our job to go forth and to spread your word, and Father, I ask you to give each of us the strength this year to make VBS a success. Father, help us just touch a few. Help us to be good stewards of what you give us and help us to share with others. Father, we, we know the blessings come with the knowledge of Jesus. Help us to share that word. Go with us through this week. Help us to, to continue to thank of you always. And Father, help us to pray earnestly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.